The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Game week here on the Buccaneer Sports Network, and we are finally ready for football for real. We are going to talk ETSU football. We'll talk a little other uh, probably smattering of sports as well. But a smattering? Smattering of sports as ETSU will play Jacksonville State. Jacksonville or State got a you game can shake in. a stick at. And uh, we'll talk about uh, Stephen Scott. How about that? How about, we'll have Stephen Scott. I, I think Stephen Scott, yeah. Stephen, Stephen Scott sounds good. Sounds like a good show. Yeah, you know. Sounds like a comprehensive Jay and Keith show. As opposed to our incomprehensive Jay and Keith shows? Probably. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, and, and also our incomprehensible Jay and Keith shows, which is a lot of them. Most of them. It was most of the offseason, if you got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But it was good to uh, watch, uh, watch a little football. I mean, we've been watching yes. uh, men's and women's football, soccer, if you will. Uh, been watching it pretty regularly. Volleyball yeah, after I, I, season. I got to say, yeah. and I, I, th- I talked a little bit to David Lilly about this this morning. Um, I, I thought ETSU. In, in a parallel universe, ETSU beats Kentucky last night. That that was, I, I it was really difficult to ask more out of that team, except for maybe, you know, Sebastian Remelamorier doesn't put the second one over the bar, or maybe just gets the first one, gets the right bounce. Really, at, at that point, you're not even asking anything of the players; you're asking it of the universe. Hey, universe, give this guy a bounce. Hey, universe, put this defender uh, uh, like another foot out of position so Kieran Richards can score in the 80th minute. You know, it was awesome. It was a great game, and I'm really looking forward to North Carolina Friday night, our first ESPN Plus broadcast of any sport this year, and that's uh, also free admission. So if you're in town, 7 o'clock Friday night, you have no excuse to not be there because the only if you don't have a good time, the only thing you're out is two hours of your life. It costs you zero dollars to come cheer on the Bucks on Friday night. Yeah, and if I was in town, I'd be there as well. Uh, well, you're gonna be in Alabama. I am. I'm gonna be in Alabama as we'll be uh, getting prepared, obviously, for Jacksonville State tissue football. We will be watching though um, from the hotel room, but uh, that, that's where I'd be. I enjoy yep. um, watching ETSU soccer. Have uh, many many years, but it's also fun. When you get sort of the the big boys, right, the power fives to actually come uh, to Johnson City, uh, no matter what sport it is, whether it's baseball, softball, volleyball, soccer, what, you know, uh, just fun to get. And there's a little bit extra, um, you know, juice in the air, if you know what I mean, with just people, the excitement, the different thing brings out new people that maybe would not have checked out ETSU soccer. What I like about it is, generally speaking, uh, repeat customers. That will come back because they're like, oh, my goodness, look at that style of soccer. This was a competitive game. This was great. You know, ETSU's won a few of these uh, hosting before on uh, men's soccer side, so a chance to, you know, make a little noise, knock off uh, uh, an ACC team. Again, it's free. Go. Check it out. If you've never been, now is the time. This is a really good group. Um, They just played a phenomenal game on Monday. It's a very different game, very different team. You don't know two games are the same in soccer. It's a lot like gridiron football every team. Very different stylistically. Um, 
North Carolina really, really good in possession. ETSU is going to have to be very patient, break them down, take their chances. That this may be a game where they have to counterattack and they have to soak up a lot of pressure. But um, this is at the same time, this is a really good team. This David Lilly has got them playing at a high level. All the guys are bought in. They're all committed to it. And um, I'm really, really excited about where they're headed. So come see them on Friday night um, for $0 and two hours of your time. Now, if you do want to pay cons- – there are some concessions, I believe, to charge. I believe we charge for those. We do. Unfortunately, well, those are not free. Those unfortunately, not. the food is not free. But uh, you can get in the door for nothing, and uh, you can come cheer on what could be a really good ETSU team that I think stated its intent last night that they are coming for UNCG at the top of the Southern Conference in 2023. 7 o'clock. ESPN three keep break on the call. Three or plus? Uh, I don't They're know. different. What did I say? You said three. That's probably plus. It's probably plus. You know what? I don't I'm not in charge of any of that, so I'm just gonna go with whatever you tell me. Plus. I believe it's plus. 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 There we go. Alright, we'll go plus. plus. Uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do another kind of plus. It's a yes and. Yes, and also on ESPN plus is ETSU football against Jacksonville State. Two o'clock will be the kick time. We'll do a full breakdown um, on Thursday for that to get you prepared for the weekend. But Jacksonville State did have the luxury of playing a game before. Yes. And so 17-14 win against UTEP. UTEP able to move the ball. UTEP had a touchdown called back early. Um, well, it wasn't called back. It was overturned, yes. I guess is the right terminology. So it was overturned. The ball uh, actually – Receiver looked like a 49-yard touchdown reception. Got kind of knocked loose, hit the ground. The correct call, replay, um, got it right, and so that led to a turnover on downs. And a little bit later, a fumble, two interceptions, another turnover on downs, a missed field goal, and Jacksonville State escapes with a 17-14 win. Did exactly what they needed to do when the offense sputtered at times. Uh, they seemed to struggle throwing the football. UTEP did a great job. Early giving up some third down conversions and kind of slowing that down, but it was a typical Rich Rod team. If you've watched them at Delta State or West Virginia or Michigan or Arizona or even last year Jacksonville State or even the couple years of offense coordinator at Louisiana Monroe, yeah, it was exactly what you thought you would see. Um, they run the ball official. They run very few plays, but they just do it quickly and try to see where they can get the mismatch and where you misaligned. So TSU to do that, but Webb being a seventh-year quarterback, uh, took some shots deep, didn't connect on any of them. Yeah, and I I mean, honestly, I didn't really think that that was his best game by a lot, so I, I would anticipate him being better against ETSU. Um, it also seemed like, I don't know, the receivers just weren't super dialed in, because uh, they weren't, it didn't seem like they were winning a lot of one-on-one stuff down the sidelines, um, so maybe that bodes well for a guy like Javon Henderson, who we all think is pretty Mike Jenkins Jr., who uh, George Coral's called the surprise of camp on Monday, could be somebody that could have a really good opportunity to get his feet wet uh, in, in this matchup. I mean, if UTEP can shut you down, if UTEP doesn't really have a whole lot to look forward to later in the year in terms of prospects this season, um, if, if UTEP's locking them down, I feel like, hey, there's opportunities to, to lock these guys down and do a lot of the same things. Now, that being said, I thought Jacksonville State um, was able to run the ball a little bit better. Their offensive line looked pretty good. They, uh, it was refreshing.
refreshing to see JSU after so many years. John Gross, you know, 10 personnel, four receivers, slinging around, uh, run around, hope to find the football. To see a team that was organized in the line of scrimmage like Rich Rods was, they ran out of 11 personnel, they ran out of 12 personnel packages with, two, with just two tight ends. Um, I, I really liked seeing that. I thought it just looked like a, a, a run game that's going to get some things cleaned up, that's a little ahead of other elements of the offense, and is ultimately going to be just fine. Defensively, again, I thought their line was pretty okay. Um, other parts are a bit of a work in progress. There was an interception on the final drive. I mean, Utah had a chance to win that game with a minute 17 left. They were driving the field for a win, and the quarterback on a fourth and got to have it throws up a just a wobbly, lame duck, and the safety has all kinds of time to read it, makes a great play on it, and ultimately that, that tips the game the other way for JSU. But I, I do think there are opportunities there. I would not be surprised if this game is a fourth-quarter game. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be close. And ETSU, like you say, well, Jacksonville State's played another game. That's where you expect your biggest improvement. Certainly that's true. Also, ETSU has film. ETSU has film of JSU, and JSU does not have film of ETSU. With an entirely new offense, a lot of new defense personnel, it's still kind of a guesswork thing for them. But ETSU can now scheme JSU and some of the things they've seen on film in a conference game against UTEP to start the year, where you can't really afford to play vanilla. You have to lay it all out there because this is a game that, like, this is a game that determines whether or not you can win your conference championship. I actually don't know if they're eligible for it, but still, like, this is a conference game. This is a game that you got to go win. JSU had to go win it, and they weren't able to just hide a bunch of stuff that they're going to try to do. It's because they like, oh, we'll just save all of this for Liberty. You can't do that. So, ETSU's got some stuff to plan on, just as much as JSU has a good idea of how to scout themselves and how to. I think for JSU, and just using Rich Rod's uh, words, basically the size that they need to be at the FCS across the board isn't there yet, but they do have team speed, and that's the one thing defensively. They're opportunistic, but the team speed, I, I think this isn't a game where ETSU is going to walk into and the size of an FBS team can overwhelm them. I do think they've got a lot going for them on the team speed, especially defensively, and Maybe a lot like Mercer. I'm just trying to compare them defensively, just the way they kind of run. You know, it's a, a kind of a four-two-five type look. I know they, they stack it to look a little bit three-four, but they got the the five defensive backs in pretty much the, the whole time, and a couple linebackers and four down linemen. So it, it's a little bit of an interesting setup. Uh, again, a lot like Mercer, and they're built like that because they've got a lot of maybe undersized safety linebackers, but they just fly to the football really do a great job um, of making tackles. I mean, I didn't, there were not a lot, if any, missed tackles against UTEP. Now, UTEP was able uh, to get a couple of drives going, but every time they got them, it seemed like for the most part, again, it was a great job of, of kind of keeping them at bay, either forcing a couple of turnover on downs. Actually, I think one of the first drives right after that, that overturned uh, touchdown, they went to a little trick play, um, did UTEP, not fooled at all with Jackson State and I'm getting a sack out of it. So not only did they hold on fourth down, but they even got 10 extra yards yeah. because of a hit in the backfield. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Jacksonville State's able to do offensively because I, I agree that they really couldn't afford, and like most game ones where your 
they're trying not to do a lot because they're trying to win a couple games exactly. and hold for conference. You know, conference is game one. Well, and I think they're trying to make a statement, and they did. They got a win in their first ever. So I, I think you know th- there wasn't a lot of that going on uh, whatsoever. Um, so I think ETSU does have nice film on it. The other flip side of that is Jacksonville State got a chance to live fire some things and make a lot of adjustments. And they right. always say between game one and two, right, is usually yeah. the biggest adjustment. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I said. It's like, but there's there's two sides to that coin. A lot of people would think, oh, you played the game you have all the advantage because you played the game and now you have stuff to work on and self-scout and all this. And, and none of that is incorrect, but also the other team can scout you now in a way that you cannot scout them if they haven't played. Um, I, I just I, I don't think it is quite as cut and dried as a lot of conventional wisdom around football would suggest that it is. Perhaps that's the case. But I will say this. I, I want to talk about. I, do you want to hit the top twenty-five bumper since we're going to talk about SoCon next? Let, let's let's before before I say this, let's just hit the bumper. Let's just do it. I know you've been waiting to hit that bumper. FCS kickoff classic. I, why? It doesn't matter who plays in it. Why is this always the worst game of the year? It's a clunker for every single team that plays on it. I remember vividly. When Jacksonville State, who I believe went 8-3 and three that year, and North Carolina A&T, who won the Celebration Bowl, played in that game, and I, I just, it was unwatchable. It was unwatchable. In 20, what was that, 18? I, I was floored. I was like, how is this our showcase? And those teams were ranked. These teams weren't. Well, Mercer is in a poll, depending on which poll you ascribe to. I think they were listed at number 22, which is this uh, the Stats FCS poll, or the Analyst FCS poll, whatever they're calling it now. Um, I didn't think either of these teams looked very good. Mert Mercer's offense had some serious red flags. They, I didn't think they ran the ball particularly well. You know, they tried to run the flea flicker, and, and North Alabama didn't bite, and PB got hammered in the backfield on it. I didn't think PB threw a night. The, the fade was about as, as right on the edge as you could be for the first touchdown to Ty James. I was not blown away by the starter for Mercer. Uh, I thought their defense looked good, but also it was North Alabama. You expect them to look good. Uh, and then North Alabama, their quarterback situation is just a mess. And I, I, think it's, I think it's an enforced mess where you're rotating a guy out every three, three snaps. Don't do that. That's the, at least give the guy a whole series to get into a rhythm. You never let a quarterback separate and define themselves and what they can do for you if you're 
taken about every two, three, four plays. That's just, to me, that is um, that that is enforced mediocrity, is what it is. Um, and I just felt like both of these teams. I don't know if it's the environment because not a lot of people travel to Crampton Bowl. I don't know if it's the fact that it's a week zero game. I personally am not crazy about week zero games. I, I don't I don't love them. Because, again, I feel like a lot of the games, a lot of the teams that we saw yesterday just didn't look like anything close to the finished product and got way more exposure as an unfinished product than you would probably want. Um, The Fordham, which was a playoff team last year, they looked terrible against Albany. They looked awful. So I don't know if it's specifically the FCS kickoff classic. I don't know if it's week zero games in general. But that Mercer-North Alabama game was a hard sit. And I came away with more questions than answers about Mercer. Did you come back after the lightning delay? For a little bit. I saw North Alabama hit the big run. I think it was Jalen Daniels, like a 30-yard run. And um, you know, they, they come back, and they're fighting their way back into it, trying to fight their way back into it. It was, what, I think it was 10-7 at that point. And Mercer got the late touchdown, but... I only watched a little bit of it, and then I had to. What did I have to do? I had to do something. I think I played Dungeons and Dragons that night. You didn't watch Jacksonville State. I did. Wa- I did watch a little bit of. Ja- I watched the first half of Jacksonville State and UTEP, and I got a good sense of that. And then I came back and watched, you know, the final couple drives later. But um, yeah, I just those games didn't. Uh, they were not enjoyable games. It's like we we get so hyped up all the time. It's like, man, I can't wait for the start of college football. It's going to be so awesome for college football. First game is Notre Dame-Navy, and Notre Dame just steamrolls them. Not even a contest. They could have played running clock in the second half. Um, Mercer-North Alabama is, you know, the first series that you can tell, like, oh, this is going to be a little bit, this is going to be a little bit of a, you really got to be invested in these two teams to, to get something out of this one. Jacksonville State-UTEP was a little bit better, but not a lot. And then Albany beat the brakes off of Fordham. That was pretty much it for me. I, I, the USC game, we, nobody has a Pac-12 network anymore. Well, and, and was it Jackson State? They, then they Jackson State. They trounced yeah, they, in, the, they uh, in the Atlanta. Yeah. Right, in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't good either. So. I didn't even watch that. I didn't watch that game at all because I'm just trying to focus on playoff games and it gives you a bump in the soap numbers. But um, I guess that doesn't – I guess that kind of surprises me given that Neon's not there, but then there were still a lot of the guys that Neon recruited there from depth that I think are still there, and also it showed that it kind of legitimized Jackson State in a way. Like, hey, you can still go here and find success, even though it's this other guy in charge. They're still good. So I, I guess I'm not that surprised by that. Um, well, let me ask you this uh, and see if you're surprised. Cause you're not surprised by that. Are you surprised that North Alabama was in the game uh, because they were, what, 1-10 last year? Given... What I saw in the first half, no. But to give it pregame expectations, yes. And I think that says a lot about and, – and honestly, like I said, I think if they had settled on a quarterback, North Alabama could have won that game. They missed two field goals in the first half. And you talk about that, and suddenly maybe it's 13-10 to 10 going into halftime instead of 10-7 instead of Mercer – I think the game plays out a little bit differently. 
uh, after that. And I thought North Alabama did a great job of taking Harper, uh, Devron Harper, out of the game. I know he had the big kick return to start the game. He did. Uh, held the four catches, not a lot of yards, and he also fumbled uh, one time in yes. there. But they, they were double teaming. They were specifically taking him out and saying, I, I dare you, Carter PV, to beat me with somebody else. And I did throw the, the pass, which I think was more on Ty James's footwork to get that touchdown reception in. That's uh, fair. And he only had four catches as well. Um, and you look at the running game, and for Mercer, they've had three different feature backs in three years, and it seems like whoever they put in there is probably going to be fine. It's Michael Bell's the, the new bell cow. Is that, is that Al, Al yeah. Wooten will get a lot of carries, too. Yeah. 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 Well, now just, Al's been there forever. He's like, it's almost like Al's got to look at somebody and say, Coach, what, Coach Chronic, what have I done wrong? Because <laughs> I keep being everybody's backup, and, and, you know, you give me 10, 12 carries, but why don't I get to 20 to 25 carries a game? But, yeah, I had a lot of questions about, Mercer's offense. Their defense was pretty much what I expected to see. Similar to what I was talking about Jacksonville State. Well, they got a lot of speed. They fly out of the ball. Um, secondary does a very good job of closing uh, the gap. Again, I don't think either quarterback from North Alabama particularly threw the ball well. Yeah. But when they had guys that should have been open enough to be a completion, they weren't good balls, and Mercer was allowed to make up the ground and, again, make, make plays, defensive plays. And that's what Mercer does. Um, but I thought North Alabama defensively, very good game plan to try to stop Harper, number one. Number two, you know, they didn't fall for a lot of the window dressing, and that's really what Mercer's about. Mercer's about, hey, we're going to shift, we're going to run here, we're going to run there, and eventually somebody's going to be in the wrong spot, and we hit big big plays. And then once they get a couple of big plays going, then they go into a, a, a – it opens up the playbook more because then they give them the same look and they play action off of it, and that's how Fred Payton was able to – like 97% of his passes or whatever ridiculous stat he had last year. I mean, let me ask you, are you more or less confident that Carter Peavy can take that team to the playoffs after watching that first game? Well, there's a reason why I would say he was replaced the last few years. Um, so I, I'm going to say he's got to show more, and that's the one area that when Peyton was there, it seemed like they were able um, to get a little more out of the quarterback position. They're going to have to have more out of the quarterback position. And then what do they do if teams just say, you know what, Harper, we're double-teaming you until somebody figures it out on how not to do that. So I've, I've got more offensive questions coming out of that than I probably had going into that game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if they would have benefited from playing week one instead of week zero, but I know that they, they did not look anywhere close to what they hoped to be SoCon play and win, you know, you're looking to win six games, maybe seven if you pull an upset, Sanford or Furman. You've got aspirations of being in the playoffs. I, I think you got to bring a little bit more of that offensively. I just think that, that that is something that Mercer will have to improve at over the course of the year, both in the run and because eventually, like you said, they think, well, okay, PV can't throw to anybody other than Harper. Take Harper away, you stack the box. And say, hey, run it. Go ahead, run it. Run it as much as you want. We'll play eight, we'll play seven on five. Go for it. Sounds great. Sounds we, we love that. So uh, there's gotta be some improvement somewhere in the offense. And for Mercer to uh, Mercer's gonna have a really tough time, I think, making those improvements when they go to Oxford. 
sense that that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a challenge to say the least. But they're they're going to have Moorhead. They're going to have the bye. I think those two weeks, if Mercer can improve a lot over those two weeks, then they're going to be in great shape. And if they can't, if they, if they're still looking like the team that we saw on Saturday, well, and you know. Kind of curious, Chattanooga goes to North Alabama this week. So North Alabama's got, again, like we've talked about Jackson State, got a game under the belt, but there are some things that Chat has advantage of. But that's another quarterback situation similar to Mercer. What are you going to get out of Artopius? And can he be better than Carter Peavy? Because, it, you know, it's not a much, you know, smoke and mirrors uh, with Chattanooga. It's just the, the zone run attack where they're looking for the cutback lanes and how will North Alabama able to stop that at all. So curious to see how that plays out, just to have a little bit of, of apples to apples between Mercer and Chad. And, and I will say, I, I, I know I hammered North Alabama for the way they're managing the quarterbacks. Guys. I, don't, I don't think that's wise. But I will say that I thought that team played pretty hard. I, I thought they played hard for their new head coach. Um, and like, like you said, they had a decent defensive game plan. And ultimately, I, I don't know that I can say that they'll surprise some people. I do think that team, even if, even if, if and you know, it might be when, because the UAC is not a cakewalk. There are some tough teams in that league. Um, they're going to have to play, I think, Central Arkansas. I believe they got to play Eastern Kentucky. There, it's it's not a, a just a, an easy conference to, to walk through. You're going to have some really tough ones. And they play EKU. They play EKU at home. They go to Austin P, Central Arkansas, Florida State. They're probably going to. Definitely going to lose their last three games of the year, but um, I, I look at that team and I think they're going to give somebody somewhere some fit. There might be one game where everything just lines up right and you go, "How in the world did you lose to that team?" Well, they played their butts off. I think North Alabama can do that. All right. So Thursday we're going to talk about not just ETSU Jacksonville State. We'll take a look at the SoCon games. Of course, this will be a little bit of either playing down or up a level for the most part. I think Furman's got Tennessee Tech and Chat's got uh, North Alabama. Other than that, I think you're either playing a step up or down, uh, whether you go to Division Two, NAI, something like that, or they're playing their money game. So a lot, lots to talk about um, there. Uh, ETSU played a money game a few years ago, and there's a guy who had a big play in it. Yeah. Somebody uh, wears a big goose egg, which is exactly the number of wins that Vanderbilt came away with over ETSU. All right, as promised, middle linebacker one, Steven Scott, actually, middle linebacker zero. Yeah, it would actually be zero. Instead of one? Zero, zero one. Number zero in your program, number one in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about coming out with a bang, your first start um, ever, right, Vanderbilt, and they're sitting there going, okay, Jared Foltz, the the 37-year-old, uh, you know, 97th year in college, can't go game one. They say, hey, uh, Stephen, uh, we need you to step in against an SEC team. And not only did you play well, but then you recover a fumble for a score. Uh, I gave you a hard time because I think you dropped a, a would-be INT, if I remember that. That's how good my memory is. Uh, but let's talk about 
game one because if everybody, if anybody could script, hey, I get to play an SEC team in my first ever collegiate start, I have a big game and a touchdown, just take me through that whole game and your processing of it right after the game. Well, I mean, coming into the game, um, just talking, you know, being blessed to have Garrett just, you know, kind of beforehand telling me, you know, I'm going to start. Here are some of the things that you, you know, you need to know. Just really, I felt like, you know, in, you know, the game plan and stuff like that. So going in, you know, knowing that you're going to start and, you know, being on such a big stage, I think the most important thing for me was just to make sure that I could do my job and just making sure that I knew what I had to do, knew the keys, and, you know, just made sure that I was locked in and tuned in to everything. So that was mainly the, the main thing for me is just to understand, you know, the seriousness of it and, you know, to just know that, you know, I'm here and not to get distracted by, you know, the crowd and all that. It was, you know, just focusing on the defense. And now you fast forward uh, some of that playing time to now you're the older statesman. Clearly not as old as Jared, but you're the older <laughs> statesman. You're teaching a lot of young guys a position or transfers a position. Talk about kind of moving into to that role and, and people looking at you now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, everybody says, you know, time flies and, you know, you'll be here one minute, but you never expect it until it's your minute. So now that I'm in that position, um, to kind of be there for those younger guys, you know, it kind of shows me or kind of go back and reflect on some of the stuff that Jared and Tyree and some of those older bucks, you know, kind of put in me. So that is, is some of the stuff that I try to implement and carry, you know, onto those younger guys, just kind of giving them the confidence and reassuring them that, you know, they can do it just like how I had to do it. So that's my main thing. Uh, and it's easier to let those lessons sink in, let it ta- what you're talking about sink in when you're out there setting an example for yourself as well. It's no secret that you've missed a lot of time the last couple of years with injuries. You talked on Monday about changing habits and, and doing things differently to try to get yourself in a position where you can be out there more. What are some of the things that you had to change to, to get your body right and, and kind of protect yourself for the long grind of, of this college football season? Um, well, coming in um, you know, as a freshman, you know, you're told to do all these tricky things and everything, but then, you know, once you start going through those injuries and stuff like that, you just can't hardly do anything especially when you're an athlete to do the things that you need to do in football. I think doing those things, you know, really important things. But, you know, every day I'll start my day off, you know, doing some yoga or some good stretching just to make sure that I'm nice and, you know, loose for practice and stuff like that so that I don't have to just go out there and, you know, do some light stretch and do some, you know, some things. So I take my time in doing those important things like stretching, stuff like that that I felt like I didn't take as serious in the previous years. Is there a little bit of an anxiousness when you have a muscle? Because you had a muscle injury last year that nagged you, and it seemed like every week we hear, we might get Steven Scott back this week, we might get Steven Scott back this week. Well, he had another setback. And and, um, is there a little bit of an anxiety, like every time you go to make a move, make a cut, try to go after a running back, that you're going to tweak it again? And, And how do you get that out of your mind? thinking about, you know, doing something, something rehabbing or happening again, but it is what it is. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to give 100%, and if that means I give 100% and I have this 
Well, you look to the future, you know you still got the same defense coordinator, Billy Taylor, although his role's a little different. He's not necessarily working with the linebackers. You know, he's kind of floating a little more. But do you find that he tends to come over to the linebackers more still? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coach Taylor is definitely uh, a linebacker. Uh, he's always been a linebacker. Uh, he's a great linebackers coach and defensive coordinator. I think that he gravitates more towards linebacker because that's where the, where the issue is on the quarterback on the, on the defensive side. So I think that he uh, puts a greater value on him as a linebacker than he's at that position. But I feel like he's uh, now being the defensive coordinator, he's spread out. You look at the 3-4 scheme that Billy Taylor's been running since the mid-90s and what he grew up with playing for Mike Ayers, who was a legendary Wofford coach, was at ETSU prior to that. And the system's built on the three guys in front of you to sort of do their job and kind of keep everybody occupied so that the linebackers can run and make plays. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle, their role, because that makes your job easier if they're doing their role. Talk about the three guys playing in front of you and Brantley. Evans, and then obviously the new kid, George. Yeah, we got um, some, some great guys, especially in front of me. And obviously, a lot of them have to be broken. I think that uh, this, this defensive line is very special. Um, you got Devin, he's really strong, great bull rush. I mean, you know, he's coming off that edge. He's a scary sight to see. Um, Max, you know, you got a good vet, good leader, good teammate, good brother. I mean, he's, he's everywhere. I mean, Max is a guy that you want to be around when it comes to those fourth and one or, you know, those third down and one, you know, inches and stuff like that. Max is really focused on his man and knows how to get where he needs to be quickly. I mean, Max Evans just like that guy. I've seen him for a while. Um, George, you know, you know, he's a freshman, but he does not play like a freshman. Um, he's very mature. Um, and he's very lengthy. His arms are really long, so, you know, he can get to different spots quickly. especially coming from a big school. It's really hard to kind of get in and get adjusted quickly, but he's really smart, man. He's he's fast, too. He's good on his feet, so he he picked it up quickly. You know, he's, like I said, the first guy here, I I already knew that they were kind of passing the ball, but right beside me and, you know, Bill, Mike, you know, you got to have some type of relationship, so definitely heard from him. He did that this year. Yeah. From – Really, from like last August to the start of fall camp, has just been the weirdest 12 months I think this program's <laughs> ever seen, and it's seen some weird ones. Um, th- th- there's been a lot of guys that decided that this place wasn't for them anymore. Um, you've got a nucleus of guys though that are here: you, DeAndre, Devin, Sheldon, Hope. Um, what does it mean, and how much easier is it? And Max and uh, don't throw Max in there too. What does it mean to have a nucleus of guys? that are here, that have been here, that have seen this program at its best, trying to bring all these new guys, whether they're transfers, whether they're freshmen, along and up to speed so that you guys can play at the level you're used to. I mean, like you said, um, like Max, me, Dev, DeAndre, you know, we, we came in together. So we saw this program in every aspect, I think, you know, like 
thing interesting about the league is the different styles, and I know it's probably in a lot of other leagues, but you go a couple or three backs, and you got the fast break uh, passing on grass coming at you, and all the different, you know, and then the wing tee old school Mercer. So just talk about, you know, what what styles uh, do you really like to play against, and uh, what are the ones that, you know, you kind of lick your chops, and you're like, okay, you know, when this style comes, this really fits my game. Window dressing, right? Yes, exactly. A lot of that <clears throat> can cloud a lot of stuff, um, especially for a defense. It can be kind of difficult to, you know, make adjustments quickly and not only that, but to get read and read and lose that ball to somebody. So I think teams like that, it can be pretty difficult. But if you make adjustments, you secure the ball. You can get the ball. This is, is, is your position, which I think the technical name for it, you're basically the Mike linebacker of, of, of this defensive front. You talked to Sheldon Arnold about safety, and he said, yeah, you know, I just got to be able to stop the run and also cover the slam and prevent the deep ball. And other than that, it's really, you know, it's just, it's really simple. My, my responsibilities are really simple. I just have to be all over the field and make plays all the time. Is, is the bull linebacker kind of the same way for you? Like, yeah, it's really simple, but when they say it all, uh, uh, when you lay it all out there, all the responsibilities, 
responsibility to have. It's actually a lot. There's a lot goes into it. Yeah, it, it definitely has an element of complexity to it. But I mean, as far as responsibility is sort of the, the marshals of this team. You get everybody lined up. You get everybody in the right yeah. spot. Um, you're also educators for the younger guys. Um, how important is duty? And, and is that word uh, something that a lot of the veteran leaders, both on offense and defense, have thrown around a lot in camp? Yes, um, definitely. Uh, when I was, like I was Stop saying when I was younger. That never goes away. That's just that's just conditioning you for the rest of your life. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the backups because you mentioned it. Younger, getting them ready. Yeah. Uh, Cam Garnett's a guy that was a running back last year due to injuries. Stepped over plate defense. He's gained some weight. Ray Coney's a young kid that seems to be yeah. progressing. Talk about some of the young guys and and how you're trying to help bring them along. Yeah, Cam. Jacksonville State, as we kind of get toward the end here, um, what, what do you see with, with this group that won nine games last year? They're an FBS program for the first time. Week zero, other than being extremely hot, was uh, kind of a grind amount of air came down to the last possession of the game. Yeah, um, they're, you know, they're a very well-coached team. Um, they're, they're very disciplined. Thank you. 
what's the hottest weather you've ever played in? It was 131 at field level last yeah. week. Um, I feel like the game last year when we went to Citadel, the first game, um, that was pretty hot. Um, I actually had to get an IV uh, during halftime for that game because it was just so hot. And then once you're on the turf, you know, just playing on grass, you know, it's a little different than playing on turf because the turf almost gets baked. Yeah, because it's plastic. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nowhere for that to go. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, thankfully, you know, like some other teams, they got like all black field or something like that on turf. But I'm thankful that we don't have that because that would be that would be pretty harsh. But other than that, you know, I think Citadel was nice. Yeah, I want to go back to tempo just for a second because I kind of feel like talking to Coach Taylor, you can try to mimic speed, but you can't really get the scout team to. To line up as fast and to snap as fast and to do what it is, so I kind of feel like talking to him, like if you can kind of n- limit damage the first or second series by series three, everyone's kind of up to speed yep. on everything. So that being said, how much emphasis, you know, does he or do you guys put on that first couple of possessions uh, just to make sure you kind of hold surface so then everyone, because it feels like uh, for for Coach Taylor that. If you can do it the first couple series, then everybody's used to how quick the calls are coming in, how quick you're lining up, you know, because early on, you know, clearly they're just trying to get you out of whack. Yeah, and I mean, like, they move. You, you really just got to be prepared for, like you said, those first two series, you know, so that you can help kind of get used to it for the home game. And when you come in and it's like, okay, boom, they ran their first play. All right, boom, they ran their second play. And you could, you could end up having about, like, a seven or eight play drive is, you know, can be pretty tough. But once you, you know, get that break or get that stop or, or somebody scores, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, that wasn't too bad. You know, we can make it through, you know, whatever. That, that's what we practice. And I, I feel like, you know, in order, there's no really training for that unless you've been doing it for, you know, since, since the summertime. But luckily, you know, for some of the vets and guys like that, you know, we've seen them in Sanford. You know, so, like, Sanford, they – I think their play time was like you know, two, two or three seconds for a play to operate or something like that, which is crazy. So, you know, you play that for two or three years, and you've pretty much seen everything, and you're able to move off of that. So, um, we're kind of getting to the we, we are we are at the finish line. I think we're, we're running out of time here. Um, so, I want to ask you right here at the at the very end. We did something last year with the with the pod where. Basically, every student athlete we had on the show got to pay a question forward. You got to ask the next person to sit in that seat a question. You don't know who it's going to be. You don't know what sport they play. You don't know anything about them. You are asking this question completely blind. So I'll, I'll ask you, what do you want to ask the next person that takes that chair? Stephen Scott was asked that question, what would he say? Um, hard work and dedication. And a Vanderbilt scooping score. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's on one of the opens. It's going to live on the broadcast for a while. It's on one of our opens. So. How about the Bucks? <laughs> I appreciate you guys. All right, Stephen. Thanks, man. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Love Stephen Scott. Oh, he's great, man. 
the, ener- the energy, right? Yeah, he's like just he's just, yeah, and, and he's just so confident with a microphone on his head. I and I know he was not always that way. He was not. He was not uh, after Vanderbilt. You know, the juices were flowing, and, and he was just kind of swimming a little bit. But uh, I, I think all these guys are great. The veterans have been really good. They seem to be re-energized. These young players are fun. I'm excited to see this group get out on the field. I'm really excited for this one. Well, we're going to get you more excited Thursday because we're fully going to break down ATSU Jacksonville State. And we'll talk about, uh, we're going to do pick six? Yes, pick six. And um, maybe some more ETSU men's soccer coverage. they got a big, big home one coming up against the Toffees. All right, we'll be back Thursday talking a little football on Jane Keith. Players, whatever. I'm so excited. Oh, you got to be kidding me.